This is the European Tour's Life on Tour podcast, presented by Hilton. Hello and welcome to the European Tour's Life on Tour podcast, presented by Hilton, with me, Kirsty Gallagher, bringing you conversations with key figures from around the world of golf. Today we're here at the Ogliata Golf Club in Rome for the Italian Open, and I'm delighted to say we've been joined by a man who has 20 professional wins under his belt, plus was named 2006 European Tour Player of the Year. It's Paul Casey. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. It's quite an honour, isn't it? That's a long time ago, wasn't it, 2006? <laughs> it's not that long. It's not. That... <laughs> and apparently I'm a key figure. You are a key you... figure. That's why you're here. Now, thank you so much for doing this. I mean, let's start from the beginning, if that's all right with you. It's a long time ago. I want to hear how you got into golf and where, you know, how it all started. But you were born in Cheltenham, weren't you? But you moved to my neck of the woods, so you moved to Weybridge. Yes. How was your childhood? Just give, give us a little glimpse into your childhood. Um, happy childhood. Uh... Yeah, born in Cheltenham, so a West Country boy, but very much now a Surrey boy. And look, you're, you never know. Your parents, I mean, my parents chose where they, they wanted to live for work reasons. Um, but I had a really happy childhood. A lot of sport. Older brother, who's two and a half years older, who was non-athletic, very, very academic. And, you know, all I did was play sport all day. And if it wasn't going to be golf, it was going to be tennis or football or rugby or something else. Um, Dad was a very keen athlete, um, dad's South African, and uh, played cricket and rugby to a very good level, good club level, mm. so not sort of professional, but um, had aspirations to be an athlete. And so I guess I just picked up on that. Mm. And how did the golf sort of surpass the other sports? What, what sort of made you think, yeah, I really like this. I'm going to go to the range, Because I was crap. Every, eventually I was crap at everything else. <laughs> <laughs> when mates of mine were going off for sort of trials with clubs, um, you know, Chelsea and Arsenal, that sort of stuff, and looking at national squads, or you know, whether that's football or tennis, or, and I wasn't. And golf was the one thing I was still, mm. I guess, my best sport. Eventually everything else dropped away because of, of time constraints. And obviously, as a kid, you like winning and not losing. So, and that's still the case now. So I guess it, it, it found, I mean, was it my, I actually loved, I loved motor racing and still do. And I wanted to be a race driver when I was a kid. So was it the, I'm not sure it was the one I really wanted to do from a very early age, but it's the one I, I ended up in just yeah. through um, elimination. And, and also Fox Hills, a lovely club. Yeah. Uh, that was your local club, I suppose. I mean, it, it is a lovely area to live in. It was. I, mean, I but can I... say that. I know it so well. So I suppose you, you also, you enjoyed that time, did you, where you went down there and spent I spent time all day golf? at Fox Hills. Yeah. Parents would drop me off in the summer holidays, you know, at, before they went to work. Um, and I must say that I, that was a scholarship I was on. I couldn't afford to be a member of a club like Fox Hills around there. So they ran a scholarship scheme. We were called the Fox Kids. And um, Anthony Wall was also part of that. That's right, and, yeah. We were given, if, if we were selected, uh, they ran it for tennis and they ran it for golf. You had four years free membership and coaching. And Bernard Hunt was the, the pro at the time. And um, yeah, so when I was about 11 years old, I, was a, I became a fox kid. And it's through breaks like that, you know. It's, it, people always sort of talk about these initiatives and, you know, local clubs doing things and coaching. This stu it stuff does work mm. in all aspects of life, mm. given opportunities to, to kids. So that was my opportunity because without that, I mean, you know, you don't say, get the chance. You don't do get you? the chance, and I because I would play the, the local little places like Hobridge. Yeah, uh, play nine holes. The old, well, I guess it's what is it, the blue or the red at St George's Hill now? But you could pay your five, ten quid and go play nine holes at St George's Hill, which was epic. Yeah, and Sandown. Yeah, more park. Oh, it's, it more is, place. Sorry, more place in each. There are so many places, aren't there? I yeah, mean, it, it was great for you 
as a as a foundation yes. to what you then went on to do. Because were you academic? Because you you did go to college. I did, but that you but defining that is difficult <laughs> because I didn't like school. <laughs> so um, I mean, when I went to went to university in the states or college as they call it, I remember my first semester, I didn't understand GPA. I still don't really, but it's basically a system of you know A is worth sort of four. For, you know, straight A's would be 4.0, straight C's would be 2.0, and you've got to be at least a 2.0 to be eligible. And my first semester, knowing, uh, you know, sort of an F is a fail kind of thing when you and I were growing up, <laughs> uh, I ended up with a 1.33 my first semester, totally ineligible, and my coach went bananas. He goes, you know, you've got to be a 2.0. And, really? and I didn't understand the system, so I went to summer school, got two, two A's, and then I was off and running. He's like, oh, oh so you can. He's like, you can yeah. study. I was like, yeah, I just yeah. got to know the system. So what made you want to go to America? Because you went to Arizona State University. You did a golf scholarship there. Yes, what was the key point that you, you thought, right, I'm, I'm off, I'm, I'm leaving it, the UK and, and I'm going to go and I'm going to really put my... It, you know, at the time, and I've I got to give credit to English Golf Union and various other established um, organisations, and uh, it's changing slightly, but there is still, how do you make that jump from mm. sort of junior or amateur golf to the professional game? And at that time for me... You know, the examples would be myself who went through college system, or Luke Donald and guys like that. Um, Ian Poulter, who went through basically the pro shop system. And I mean, all credit to Ian. He's one of my best mates. Okay. It's very difficult to do what he did. Come out of the pro shop and make it on tour. Or you go down almost the Justin Rose route, mm. which is you turn pro very young. And he, he struggled. And oh, the, he did. The 20-something missed cuts in a row. Took a long time, didn't it? Mm. So there was no kind of, and still is to this day, it's a difficult transition and for me, it was like, well, maybe this is the transition that I choose. Mm. Um, plus, anybody, you've probably been out there. To, I don't, you've been out to the States, I know Yeah, that. my brother went to so, university, he went to Wake Forest. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, Dean and Deacons. Any... So, but the weather and everything else and the facilities was so attractive at yeah. that time. Again, it was another, I was on scholarship, parents couldn't afford to, to pay for it. And um, it was that, why not? Because you can always leave, turn up, give it a go. But I was totally besotted by sort of, I can't think of a good term, you know, turning up every day and it's beautiful sunshine and cactus and brand new golf balls on the range. What could be better? Exactly. (laughs) But of course, I mean, you you did love life there. You still do. We'll talk about your your close relationship with with, um, the United States. I mean, your move to America kickstarted your amateur career, obviously. I mean, just tell us about your amateur career in the early days. Um, average, I guess. Really? <laughs> yeah, I won a couple of things, some Surrey Junior stuff. Um, the... Three consecutive uh, Pac-12 championships? Oh, you t- oh so you did my later amateur career, slightly better than my early <laughs> oh, amateur career. Right. Um, Go on, tell us the early bit then. It was, it was Junior Opens and Surrey County Championships and stuff like that, which is brilliant. Surrey matches. I love Surrey matches. Wearing our, as we always said, the Surrey strawberry. Yeah. The Surrey logo. In That's our, right. Sort of dodgy, sort of red, sort of maroony. <laughs> burgundy sweaters um I loved that stuff but they got more serious or, or and I got better the college without question it takes it to another level and so I then came back and I was starting to play in English amateurs and then won two English amateurs mm. two straight English amateurs um titles and the college thing yeah got my head around it and I was competing Week in, week out against, as we've already mentioned, you know, Luke Donald, but, um, you know, Charles Howe, Adam Scott. These were the guys, my mm. friends who I played week in, week out against these guys. And that really honed my skills and then tasted success and figured out how to win. And then 
I don't know how many wins I had, but as you said, three straight pack 12s. That's right. Um, you broke the championship scoring record held by Tiger Woods. I mean, 20, that must have been amazing. 20-something. But these are key yeah. moments, aren't they, where, yeah, did they spur you on? And think, yeah, because it's hard graft, isn't it? Yeah, I've, a golfer. I've never been a guy who knew I was going to make it. Really? I hoped I would, wanted to and hoped, but never, there was never a certainty in there. Did you doubt yourself? Oh, yeah, still do. <laughs> um, Even when you look at what you've achieved? Yeah, I think it's part of what actually keeps me going yeah. now. I mean, I'm 42 now, and I, and I still uh, I don't wake up and, you know, bolt up right in the middle of the night and panic but it's like um, worrying about things about my golf game but yeah you still that this game gives and takes and it's you never defeat it you know that mm, so it's always that you know even tomorrow I hope tomorrow's round is good I hope yeah. Friday's round is good and yeah. I hope you know I hope my driving stays as good as it is or whatever it is so I've never been one of those who's been you know look, I'm sure of, I'm pretty certain of my skills and my ability but I always hope you don't that take it, it for granted correct so just going back to your amateur days, I mean, was there a key moment where you you felt, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of really sure that I want to turn pro, I'm good enough, oh, just that, with what I, you've just told yeah, me? Yeah, the, the wanting to turn pro happened very early. The, the moment where I thought maybe, yeah, I, I've got a shot at this probably wasn't, look, I didn't know until I actually turned pro, mm. but I guess the nearest I got to thinking, like, I've really got a good chance of this now, was probably something like Walker Cup. Yeah. 99, Walker Cup, Peter McAvoy, the Ginger Fox, as we still call him. <laughs> it's more Silver Fox now, but was the captain. Uh, Luke Donald was my foursomes partner. I went 4-0. Yeah. Um, so did Luke that week. We defeated the Americans by the, the largest margin we'd ever beaten them by. Incredible. Um, great team. Walson Home and um, Philip Rowe and Paddy Gribbin and uh, there's all kinds of go through it. But it was a great team. And that, that there... McAvoy had a lot to do with that. I've got to give him credit. Uh, I, played a, I played a world amateur for him as well, an Eisenhower, which we should have really won. Um, we had, there was illness in the team that week. Steve O'Hara was sick and Jamie Donaldson struggled. Luke was the other guy in the team. and mm. um, I finished second individually and we should have won it as a team. But he was such a great... He probably did it with every player. I imagine he did. But he'd, he'd, he'd pull me aside and give me a little talking to and, and the finger in the chest, sort of pinning you up against the wall... You'd be done nowadays for sort of, you know. Absolutely, but, not, but no way. Um, you know, sort of, you are good enough kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you need to start realising how good you are. Those kinds of little motivational talks. Um, and, it, it, you know, give him credit. He was certainly a factor in my starting to believe. Yeah. And, and the Walker Cup at, at the team event, how, how did that give you a taste for team events? Obviously, we'll talk about the Ryder Cup in just a moment. It did, but, it, but college golf is very team-orientated right, as well. You've got... Typically, it's five guys who always travel for college golf in the States. And that, those were some of the most enjoyable times I had on the golf course. Um, so we always understood that the team thing for me has always been... The camaraderie, yeah. Yeah, it's been special. So being able to then play professional, certainly Walker Cup and, and any kid who's thinking about Walker Cup, you need to do a Walker Cup because mm. it stays with you. And we still, even now, we're talking about it. It's one of the greatest experiences, uh, greatest moments of, of any player's career but then it's amazing the similarities that you you play when you I mean I've played Seve trophies and uh, obviously Ryder Cups and things like that they're all the same mm. it's just a different maybe it's a different level you're playing against um, you know maybe better players I would mm. say better players are just it's just different but it's mm. the same stuff mm. 
the emotions, the, I mean, at the Nen, yeah, there was a lot of bottles of Bollinger that were grabbed out of the, probably, yeah, I don't know who, who the champagne sponsor is on the European tour, but we went from sober to drunk very quickly at Nen. <gasps> yes, really? it was brilliant. Oh, my goodness. No, no, <laughs> that, that stuff stays the same now, you see. Well, there we are. Why not? But I can see how much it, it sort of means to you. But so, so moving forward then, you, you became a pro in 2000. So yeah. nearly, so 19 years ago, nearly 20 years ago. My goodness. Sorry. And uh, well, it's wonderful. And, and joined, though, the European tour in May 2001 how special a moment was that you'd finally gotten to the European tour as a pro yeah a lot of thanks to Schofield because he was the one who gave me sponsors invites again based off of my amateur career Walker Cup um, a key part of that because I had no standing I'd turned pro late in 2000 and um, with nowhere to go missed sort of tour school cutoffs. There was just a moment at college where I, I said, I've, I've just got to go now. Really? Yeah, I, I left early. I dropped out, but hadn't checked, you know, dates for entering tour <laughs> schools. So there I was in 2001 with nowhere to Gosh. play. And, um, and Schofield stepped up and gave me a couple of starts. Benson and Hedges, I finished 11th, That's I think, right. or something yep. like that. Yep. And I was off because I didn't, didn't make top 10 to get an invite the following week because the t- top 10 is automatic invite for the following week. My fifth event was Slaley Hall. God, would that have been the Great North Open or something? And I finished f- f- fifth or something. And that got me a bunch of money, which was enough to then get me sort of unlimited invites. And my 11th event, I won, which was Glen Eagle. That's right. So, so it was all quite was quick. pressure on you because you were sort of going from invite to invite? Oh, yeah. What was the pressure like for you? Because you, you had to perform. Yeah. Because if you didn't perform, you didn't get your invite. Yeah. And so it was like this kind of... You know, it's a little easier. It, it's it's a little easier that way than like a tour school, which is you know you, yeah. you have one bad round and that's it. Your, well, of course your, you're out. Yeah, your job's maybe done for another year, another another chance. But um, I knew I had a, it was a limited opportunity. It was Schofield got me maybe sort of four or five invites that he said, look, I can get you kind of those, but that's mm. going to be kind of it. And mm. so, well, you did it. You you did it. You did so well. And then 2006 was a brilliant year. Your leader of the European Tour of Merit. Until Podrick Harrington uh, overtook you in that final event, well, what was it's that funny. like? What it's was funny that experience if, like? if Sergio makes par on the last, I win the European, I win the order merit, and he made bogey on the last. <laughs> so Podrick won. Thanks, Serge. But my money from all my money from the world match play didn't count, so I actually won the most amount of money that yeah. year. But yeah. they couldn't count it because it was a million quid, so it would have been <laughs> totally skewed. I don't. Actually, it would be nice to have that title of winning the money list mm. that year but I was player of the year mm. what was that like I was I was off I mean you can't say you weren't yeah season-long race you are extremely competitive I mean you have to be but I can hear it in you yeah I mean I think at the time it, it matters a lot it means a lot and then the number of years that sort of mm. now have passed it doesn't yeah there are there are more important things it doesn't mean I'm less competitive but the the I don't cling on to stuff and it doesn't really, in mm. the great scheme of things, like if we talk, we'll talk about, you know, family and life, it doesn't really matter, no. does it? No, it doesn't. And, and it was soon after that you rejoined the PGA Tour. Why did you, why did you decide to do that? Uh, what year are we talking about 2009, now? I believe. Well, I was, in my, I was first member of the PGA Tour back in 2004 or something like that. Why did um, you feel, why were you pulled back? What, 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 what did you, why did you decide it's to do still, that? It's uh, still, you know, having lived in the States from... Well, really, since I went to university back in 90, January 97, 
it just made sense. Mm. And, try, and I've, I've always tried to do both. End of 2014, I took a, took a hiatus, only because I couldn't do it anymore. Really? I was struggling so much out, out the top 50. Um, family was just starting. But I've always tried to do both to the best of my ability. So the years you're playing well, so like say 2009, 2009, I would have been, oh, I think like third in the world. Yeah. Well, you won, you won your first PGA tournament. So Houston, it was obviously yeah. the right decision. Houston. You, you, you beat uh, JB Holmes. Uh, what was that like to, to have made that decision to win then? Were you like, it must it have felt big, pretty euphoric. It, yeah, but at the time, England have, has had a lot of success now since professional success globally yeah. and certainly in, in the US the last 10 years. But until that point, not many Englishmen had won in the US. Mm. Westwood's won a few times, Faldo. Obviously, Tony Jacklin, if we go back. I'm, I'm struggling to think pre-09. Um, people listen to this and be throwing out names that I obviously have missed. <laughs> but I, can't, I couldn't think of, and I still can't think, obviously, of that many Englishmen who'd had tasted a lot of success in the US. So mm. winning in the US is a big deal and still is. Eight of the top ten were playing that week as well. I'm trying to think of the guys who weren't there. Tiger wasn't there, but Phil was there and various other people. So it was a, it was a good win. It wasn't like it was a opposite field events and weak it was strong really really strong yeah it meant everything it was just like my first win at Glen Eagles I beat Alex Chaker by one on the last at, at um, that Scottish PGA it was suddenly like this is the this is the dream I've had as a kid yeah. and now I've accomplished it and you know people who have set goals whatever it is in life who have mm. then managed to obtain them you know lofty goals it's hard to explain. Yeah. It's incredibly satisfying. Yeah, but you and the thing for you is, two thousand and nine was such a big year for you, such a successful year because you then won at, at Wentworth. Yeah, but it you? was it was a mixed year because I had three victories very early. I won Abu Dhabi. I won, I don't know what order. Abu Dhabi, Houston, and Wentworth. And then were Wentworth. The threes. And then I was injured at the end of the year. That's right. So it was bittersweet, wasn't it? <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. What, what what was that like? What what how you know that was a rib injury wasn't it yeah i tore intercostals what? and uh, internal obliques on the right side back how did you how did you feel knowing you as i do uh, it must have been extremely difficult to have had all that success get yourself you've got momentum going on you've yeah. won these big events and then suddenly i mean no one no athlete wants to be likes it to be was, injured no but it was the first time i dealt with a, a an injury that was debilitating um, you know every all the guys out here have got niggles and there are things that happen, things that are bugging them, but this was an this injury. Is this one. is why I, I tore, I tore them to pieces, and I couldn't move. How did you deal with this? I because you applaud, couldn't play. applaud guys like Beef and various people who have talked and, and James Morrison have talked about their struggles recently. I look, there's, I don't know of any of many guys who get through an entire career who don't go through ups and downs, and I struggle with that. I struggle with, uh, you know, the gloomy side of things. So yeah, I was, I contemplated, you know where my career will go. Did you worry you wouldn't play again? Yeah. Were you told that you might, you know, did, no, they, did the, they ever say to you, actually, actually this actually could shoulder, be very debilitating? The, the shoulder dislocation was a bigger issue than that. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> um, I didn't appreciate how long it would take to come back from, mm, yeah. from an injury. I had a good season in 2010. I actually had an had a outside chance. I finished uh, certainly in the, I think the top 10 on both money lists in the US mm. and Europe. In fact, I had a chance to technically win both if I'd finished off the season with a victory here or there. And then you won in Bahrain. What year was that? That was 2011. So th that was sort of that bookended, that injury, that period, I suppose, for you, did it? Was yeah. it a major relief for you? 
Um, there are other things that I went through a divorce about then. So, so it was a difficult If you time. look at my, yeah, so if anybody pulls up my career in like a world ranking sort of trajectory or pattern, there's a massive drop, I think, about 2000, probably 2012 or something. It's actually it's amazing how I can't remember a lot of stuff. But it's... Um, I'm reminding you of the dates here. No, quite right. But, it, but listen, I mean, the injury to then winning again, you mentioned your divorce there, which obviously it's you, a difficult It's time. difficult. The, uh, golf is one of those sports where... It, you know, I think maybe this is true for a lot of things. You can deal with with one thing going on. Injury is obviously difficult, but you can you can deal with one thing, one distraction. When you throw two into the mix, can't do it. It's the mental so, part, isn't it? Yeah. Not only did I did I go through a divorce, I I've always liked other sports, and I went. Um, I've always sort of enjoyed skiing and Down snowboarding <laughs> and mountain biking and various other silly stuff. And um, I ri- literally ripped my shoulder. Um, my arm out of its socket uh, in veil, and uh, I've got Hillsacks lesion, torn labrum, various other issues with my right shoulder, which I've never had surgery on, and they work fantastically well. But um, that was a that was all together. So divorce and a serious injury. I my world rank. I don't know where I went to. In so was this part of the hiatus that you you mentioned earlier? That period where you just thought I've got to have some time out. No, that was that was this was twelve, where it was just a complete and utter mess didn't want to be on the golf course depressed physically couldn't do it anyway let alone mentally and then got it back again Mm. so the victory actually I'm trying to was in the middle of that there was a victory in Ireland I want to say maybe 2013 or something like that which was as significant as the victory in Bahrain actually more significant because that really was I'd hit kind of a rock bottom that's June yeah came back and won that which was one of the most satisfying moments in my career hold the monster putt on 18 for eagle at Carlton House, I think it was. And then was slowly digging myself out of that yeah. hole. I won in 14 at, in Holland at the Dutch and at that point, but I still wasn't able to get my game back where I really wanted it to be. I was still outside the top 50, just became a dad. And that's when I said I can't play both tours because the rules at that time of having to play a certain number of events on both tours, it was just unfortunately impossible. Um, so I said, I can't do it. So I, I politely, in fact, I didn't even say I sort of can't, I just politely didn't renew, renew my membership, didn't try to cause a fuss or anything with the, with the sole goal of trying to get my golf game back mm. where I needed to be. Mm. And if you're going to focus on my home being in the US, I need to focus in the US and then come back to Europe. And luckily that worked. Mm. Luckily mm. I got it back. And yeah, I miss things like the Ryder Cup, Darren Clark's Ryder Cup. And, I was just about to, to was but, that ever, that must've been... On your mind. Yeah, that was what... It's hard watching friends of yours, like, struggle. Struggle and go through, you know, what is a is a hostile environment and be beaten when you think maybe I could help. Mm. That's hard to watch. I mean, it's hard enough watching golf events that you want to be in anyway. If you skip, a, you yeah. skip the Masters or you skip a Wentworth or something yeah. like this or Dubai or something, you look at it and you go, that's... God, wish I was there. But it's another thing watching teammates getting... Because look, who win, whoever wins and loses, whoever wins this, I, if it's not me, with no disrespect, it doesn't really matter yeah. to me. I don't really care. Unless yeah. it's one of my mates, in which case, mm. great, mm. Mm. buy me a drink. But because the following week is going to be somebody else winning. You, we don't, you don't get so tied up in who wins and loses every week. You can't. It would drive you potty. But a rider cut does. It matters because you know you've got two years of abuse you're going to get from your mates back in the States. So watching that was tough. So that was massive motivation to 
And then Thomas, when he became captain or announced as captain, there was a lot of talk behind the scenes between the two of us as to, as to how I rejoined the tour. Hi, I'm Jamie Donaldson, European tour player and proud Hilton Golf Ambassador. Are you a Hilton Honours member? No? You're missing the chance for you and your family to enjoy better travel, promotions, unique experience and more. Sign up to Hilton Honours today. You're listening to the Life on Tour podcast presented by Hilton. Let's talk about the Ryder Cup right now. I mean, your, your record is pretty amazing. You, you love it. You seem to really enjoy that, that. Again, we talked about that camaraderie. Yeah. It took you back to your college days, probably. Just tell us more about Le Golf National, yeah, under Thomas Bjorn. Best experience I've had on a golf course. Really? Yeah, flat out. That first tee was bonkers. I loved it. Apart from the DJ, I'm not sure about the music he was playing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was, it, for me, it was amazing. We're isolated as, a, as players. You know, all we see is team room, golf course, media centre. We don't see, so I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Hopefully everybody else's experience was as magical as ours. Oh, it looked um, fantastic. It was fantastic. Because there's a lot of stuff that goes on. I mean, hopefully it was because it's security and buses and all that kind of stuff. But it was the best experience. I mean, playing against that team, mm. which were, they're all great guys, mm. that US team. I mean, that's the thing. The way golf has become so, um, you know, global, we're, we're so sort of intertwined and so small. We know everybody so well. So you're playing against this amazing US team that you get along with really well. Obviously, you want to beat them. And my team is the most amazing team I've ever been a part of, um, and, a, and a true unit. Um, you know, the other three Ryder Cups I played, we all got along great, but not to the level that we, we did in Paris. Mm. That was so close. Really? Yeah, it was so Why cool. Why do you think that is? I don't know. What was, it? was it Thomas as captain? I mean, he's pretty chilled out, really, isn't he? He can be strong. No, he's he not. He's a be... nightmare. Really? Yeah, he's a shocker. <laughs> but he was that week. He, he... <sighs> he's good with people, though. Yeah, I, I'll, give him, I'll give him so much credit because I've played a lot of golf with Thomas through the years and he can be an absolute nightmare on the golf course. <laughs> and he was able to um, literally bite his lip and say very little. And that was really, really impressive. It's so easy to overcoach or overmanage, oh, yeah. try to do big motivational speeches. He actually said very little, but it was, and he allowed it, allowed our team, our team spirit and our togetherness to grow organically mm, mm. because we had... Our previous teams where we've had very, very strong personalities, if you go back a decade or two, teams that I've, well, only a decade or so, the teams I've been a part of in the team room, there'll be maybe a couple of key players, amazing, but might take the lead role. Whereas in Paris, we had everybody contributing. Mm. We'd have team meetings where we're just sitting on a floor, literally just all of us talking. And that didn't, you know, Tommy would, and then JR and... Pulse and you know John Rahm. I mean, you know, got rookies contributing, yeah. and before you'd never have rookies throwing in their, their pennies, you know, worth, pennies it, yeah. worth. They'd go. Uh, so the dynamic was really special. Very special. And, and how much? So Wisconsin next year. How much is that on your mind, on your radar? How much do you want to be there? Oh, oh you always want to be there. Winning in the US is, has become very difficult. I, I certainly think that the why is the thirteenth man is yeah. is becoming a big factor. So Paris. Certainly, that was our kind of 13th man, our advantage. And Wisconsin's going to be their advantage. Mm. Um, you can't play that down. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. I hope our team is as... I wish we could just take the same team. 
the, the same form. Literally take that team as they as they were in Paris and just mm. plant them there. And I think, yeah, we'd probably win. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. There's so much time between now and then. Who's going to be on the team? What's the form going to be like? Um, and and let, let's just also, I was just thinking, as one of the stalwarts, one, one of the experienced players, one of the best you are, you know, your record of match play is, is very good. Playing in 2004, six, and then 18... Do you, can you take that? I mean, do you need that experience? I love the fact you missed out eight because we lost in eight. Uh, well, let's talk about the wins. <laughs> <laughs> but that experience, how important is that then? Especially to, to have you guys, you know, you and various others in the team for it's, that it, it's hostile imp- atmosphere. It's imperative. I think it's, it's maybe more important if, when we go to the US to have that experience. It's so difficult um, to be a rookie, isn't it, on American it's soil? So, I was a rookie on American yeah. soil. Langer was my captain, Oakland Hills 04. That's right. It's so difficult. Why? Because of that, as you say, that that, that Yeah, but, that, but I'd that... played a lot in the US and lived in the US, so I kind of knew what to expect. Mm. Uh, it was bad enough for the guys in Paris. I mean, you know, walking from that practice ground over the bridge into that arena at Paris would have been daunting mm. but they've got no idea what it's going to be like in Whistling Straits mm. or then Beth Page in another few years and it's going to be insane but that hostility you know we, at the same time it makes the rider come oh no, without question that atmosphere yeah it's not an, it's not a negative it's it's just then that's what every athlete faces I mean whether it, that's a, a derby football match or whatever it is you that's part of sport that's what you face like I was a, I went to Wimbledon this year and it was like 99.9% of the people in that grandstand were all Federer fans. Mm. It's, it was, you know, it was hostile for Djokovic. That's just the way it is. That's mm. sport. Is there's home home mm. field advantage, and you wouldn't want it any other way because if it was, everybody was quiet. Yeah, yeah, not, it, would be, it would be boring. Yeah. Um, just just before we get off the Ryder Cup, tell us about that that hole in one back in 2006. 14th hole, of the K Club, 233 yards, four iron, playing with David Howe. We were, what were we? We were. About five up, Dormy five up or something like that. And, um, and yeah, I, I binned it. <laughs> so, Could you believe it? No, it was, we had total control of the match. Obviously, we were Dormy. And um, it's just one of the coolest moments to hit that shot. Couldn't quite see it go in because it's just a little br- rise and falls off towards the back there. So I couldn't mm. see the ball going. But obviously, with the reaction of the crowd, we knew it went in. And then just to turn around and see, like, Zach Johnson's face of just, like, this... Actually, probably more like, thank God this match is over. <laughs> surreal. Yeah, really surreal. I feel very fortunate to have had a Ryder Cup moment. Uh, I mean, everybody wants the winning putt. Everybody remembers McGinley or Keimer, these classics of the 18th hole moments, Torrance at Belfry, that sort of stuff. Yeah, Alatha Bow dancing on the green at... Was that Muirfield Village? That sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it's in, yeah, I mean, Those things are ingrained. Things. I mean, mine's not as iconic as these other guys, but it's still a moment in the Ryder of Cup. Of course, of course. Which is very, very cool. So I feel, I feel privileged to have had a cool, memorable ex- moment. Absolutely. And, and just tell us more about, so at the moment, how happy are you with your current form at the moment, the way things are going? See, this, the worry thing comes back again. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? I don't. I don't think about it, and and uh, for me, every week is a is a challenge and work. Is it? Yeah, I Even love when you're it. Winning? Oh no, I like it. It's don't confuse the that way with, that you. The it's way... just the way I operate. And you're obviously the family are in America, aren't they? So when you're over here on the European tour, um, how difficult is that for you, or, or is that? Can you concentrate more, or? It's yes, and my wife. I'm not saying my wife would agree, so I'm not. Um, 
said anything wrong. She does. She won't listen to this because she doesn't listen. But (laughs) but she wouldn't get upset with me saying that. Yeah, it can be a distraction. The kids being there. Sometimes it's a good distraction, but more often than not, it's. I spend most of my time doing this by myself, and so when the kids are there, it's not the same. Mm. Uh, Logistics all change, and it's fun for them to come out here Mm. and experience this. And they're still young. I mean, they're five and two, but ultimately they're going to get a lot more out of they're in school so they've got to be home they love a routine and you need to do your thing and then and let them do their but yeah. you defend... it's different, different things like the open championship well, where it's summer holidays and you can get them out but like the rest of the year mm, no they've mm, got to be in school mm. uh, but you defended the Valspar yes you've had a great year yeah and then and then Porsche absolutely a few weeks ago in Germany you say you worry you 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 <laughs> You, you, because you are so competitive this week here in Italy, what's your mindset like? How are you feeling? Yes, you're calling me out slightly because I'm fairly relaxed this week. I had a lovely I bottle of wine seem, last night. You seem very relaxed. <laughs> well, you're in Italy. Why not? Pork shank last night. Beef <laughs> capacha. Um, yeah, I guess I haven't quite figured out what I need to worry about yet this week. Maybe there's nothing. It's a good golf course. It's a challenging golf course. We've got a solid, really, really solid field. Guys like Rosie here this week and Shane Lowry. It's, um, we got a bunch of world ranking points to try and win. I, mean, I've, I was vocal a few weeks ago and said, you know, probably one of my biggest goals of my career will be next year making the Olympic team. Mm. Try to make the Olympic team, if I can, for Great Britain. So for me, every single week is important because world ranking points. I can pretty much guarantee I'll yeah, guarantee you'll be there if you're top 15. Because if you're top 15, they can take up to four guys if you're... Otherwise, I'll take two. How did you feel about the Olympic team four years ago? Oh, I wanted to wanted to make it, but didn't. It was obviously Rosie and yeah. Danny Willett, and I. So does that make you even hungrier? Yeah, and seeing year? and seeing what that's done to you know certainly Rosie, but but Henrik and Cooch winning all three me- those guys winning the medals. Yeah, I mean that's every week there's a tournament, but it's only four every four years for an Olympics, so it's. It's something a lot of guys kind of poo-pooed it and were like, nah, it's not going to mean anything. Or it doesn't mean anything. What a load of rubbish. Why are we doing this? And look, I'm not going to get into that debate whether golf should be in the Olympics, but it is in the Olympics and mm. that's, that's not my choice whether it's, it should be or, or, or not. But now it's in there. Yeah, mm. damn right I'd love a medal. And even just to represent Great Britain would be probably one of the coolest things I could ever do in my career. Mm. Um, I'll be 43 at that stage, so wandering around the um, athlete village... <laughs> Feeling like a total old dude, no, you're old not man. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Experienced. So next year, Olymp- <laughs> luckily I could probably, you know, I could go to the gym and I, I look alright, so that's okay. <laughs> you look um, right. I mean, but so next year Olympics. What about major success? Yeah, that's always down there, and that's I've not had any, and I don't dwell on that, and it doesn't bother me. And if my career ends and I don't have one, I don't. Um, really? It's not, not gonna. It's not gonna eat at me. Because a lot of golfers would say it. It, it, it does. Why, why would you say it doesn't? I don't know. I've seen a lot of, lot of my friends who have won majors and are not that happy. It's difficult, isn't it? Because mm. you are put on a pedestal, would you say? So if your game drops off a bit... Yeah, but it's, it's the... Is that they, it? These guys, you know, a lot of these guys have woken up the next morning and it's like, is that it? Really? And then, and then a year, six months later, it's like, yeah, really, is, is that it? Like, yeah. kind of thing. What's fulfilling? Now, I don't know how I would feel and hopefully I get to experience that. And just as certain victories in my career have been highly enjoyable and meant a lot and and I'd like to think that yeah if I win one next year then that would be elevated above kind of defending Valspar all those key victories like Ireland and stuff like that but mm. I don't know because you like Augusta don't you I love well Augusta. Augusta National 
I mean, it's stunning, isn't it? I mean, it, it yeah, it suits my game. It suits your game. Um, it had would... some good finishes there. I mean, would that be one that you... Surely you'd take a green jacket. <laughs> of course, I'd take any of them. I'd that take any be... of them. I mean, I could rank them, but I would take any of them. Would um, you? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love a green jacket. That's, I love that golf course. Yeah, it's just everything about that. That's kind of... It's a special tournament, isn't it? It is something, yeah. So, well, what in the year it could be next year? Olympics, Ryder Cup, Masters? Yeah, just tick all three of those yeah. things off. Should we just say yes to all of these? Anything else? <laughs> I might quit in 21. I might just stop. Well, you might have it all. You nearly have it all. No, listen, Paul, incredible. Thank you so much for, for talking to us. Absolutely brilliant. But you don't get away. Before you go, Paul, we're going to do our Hilton Quick Nine. Okay. Don't overthink it. It's not scary. It's quite fun. You never, ready? No, I've never been accused of overthinking anything. <laughs> really? Um, right, here we go. First thing in your suitcase. Like when I start putting yeah. stuff What's in. What's the first thing? I actually lay it all out, but then it's the golf clothes that go in first. It's actually trousers first. So it's at the bottom? Yes. Trousers. On the left-hand side of the case, oh, I the start left. from the left. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> what goes on the right? Shoes. Shoes. Right, so clothes, shoes. Right. Number two, favourite club in the bag? A driver. Where was your last holiday? Holiday? What's proper, that? Proper, I know. What's <laughs> that? Where was your... Last proper break with a family or friends or... I was in Italy with friends. So my last holiday was a boy's holiday in uh, Lake Garda. Lake Garda, on boy's a, on holiday. On a boat, yes. Oh, dear. Brilliant? Yes. OK. Moving on. Question four. Favourite hole in golf? Um, Ooh, that's a difficult one. I actually love the first hole at St Andrews. How wonderful. I would say the 18th because you're looking back up mm. 18 towards the thing. But I actually like the first hole better. Um, something Why? about, I don't know. The history. It's an easy tee and, shot. As well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something about it. It's just the one place. It's just so every time I play it, it's, I like, I want, it's a, such that. a straightforward hole, but so simple. Good answer. Favourite course then? Is it St Andrews? It's certainly, it, it, no, but it's one of my top three because it's different every day. You can play it in all conditions. You'd be locked up if you designed anything like that nowadays. <laughs> they, would, they would put you in a straitjacket. Favourite course, uh, I will go with probably, I like sunshine. I'm going with Royal Melbourne. One place on your bucket list? One place I've never been. I've never been to New Zealand. Oh, amazing. <laughs> what was that? You guessed that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I desperately want to go there as well, I have to say. New Zealand. We need to get some more golf there, don't we? Yes, we do. That has to happen. Best shot you've ever hit. Was it the hole-in-one in 2006? No. No. Well, it was good. <laughs> it was good. Oh, best shot I've ever hit in golf. I guess what it means as well. Yeah, I think um, a couple of spring to mind. I mean, like my birdie putt on 18 at Glen Eagles to win my first tournament. Mm. But I will go with the most nervous I've ever been. And I hit the fairway was the first tee shot at Oakland Hills in the Ryder Cup in 2004. I was absolutely shaking. <sighs> really? Yeah. Right, number eight. We're nearly there. If you weren't a golfer, what would you have been? A. It would have been a sportsman of some sort. Probably a bad, unemployed racing driver. <laughs> or um, if it had to be a serious job, is there such thing as a serious job? Were you? What were you good at at school? Um, I was actually quite art- artistic. It probably would have been graphic design or yes, something like that. Yes, I wanted to be one of those. Yeah. Back in the day. Graphic designer. Let's go with that one. And finally, who would make up your dream four ball, dead or alive? Ooh. Have you ever thought about this before? Yeah, but it keeps changing. Does it? 
because sort of the you know there's the I would go with the the golfer group and I'd go with sort of Seve and yeah. old Tom Morris Legends. and um, probably Mr Palmer yeah or then I'd go down the I'd go with you know the other day we were talking about you know comedians we were actually talking about American comedians American comedians it would have been like Richard Pryor George Carlin and Robin Williams or something. Tustin. So, None of them played golf. Well, who cares? Crystal, oh, you didn't have to say. Billy Crystal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't. Yeah, you know the cast of Monty Python. <laughs> so you know that. Yeah. You and the cast of Monty Python. Yeah. I think that's a very good. John, John Cleese and all the rest. Of them. Hilton Quick Nine. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Incredible. That was brilliant. Thanks for listening to the Life on Tour podcast presented by Hilton. You can get in touch via Twitter and Instagram at European Tour using the hashtag Life on Tour or on Facebook. Subscribe now and if you enjoyed the show, feel free to rate and review us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts.